I got to tell you the truth. It took me a few years to, to visualize it, to understand what was going wrong. But as soon as I realized that when I started weightlifting again, I started exercising again, I started to eat a little better, stopped drinking and smoking, my performance improved a lot. So I could feel that. And I, I, was, I wanted more. You know, I knew I could have more. I, I, it was insights, right? I didn't know the science back then. Now I know, like, you know, nutrients for brain performance, for, for uh, fasting-inducing, uh, uh, increasing BDNF expression, uh, brain-derived neurotrophy factor. You know, now I know the science behind it. But back then, I didn't correlate health with performance, even more for video game players, right? But if, if video game players then make you know, nowadays a lot, lot more money than we used to do back then, understood the connection, they could play a lot better and uh, have a longer-lasting longer career. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 274. Welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. I am your host, Dr. Yami, board-certified pediatrician, certified lifestyle medicine physician, certified health and wellness coach, author, speaker, mother, wife, and human being. I passionately believe in the power of diet, habits, and mindset in sparking and sustaining well-being and joy in our lives. This podcast combines expert interviews and thoughtful monologues to explore plant-based nutrition, lifestyle medicine, parenting, mindset, and other exciting and fun topics. I hope that these episodes inspire you, uplift you, and equip you with the knowledge and tools to live your best life. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. Hello, veggie lovers. Welcome to another episode of Veggie Doctor Radio. Today, I have with you Dr. Eduardo Coraza. Before I tell you about him, I want to remind you that the information on this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not meant to replace careful evaluation and treatment. So if you have concerns about you, your child, anybody in your family's eating, nutrition, or growth, please consult a health professional. So Dr. Eduardo Coraza is from Brazil, and he is a clinical nutritionist that graduated from Universidade Veiga de Almeida with an emphasis on raw and vegetarian diets within the health model called Higienismo, natural hygiene. He is the creator of the company Salve Frugal. He is the author of nine books, five online courses. He's a YouTuber, culinary specialist, international speaker, and minister of immersion retreats. He graduated in literature, specialized in natural hygiene by the University of Natural Health. So he also has extensive experience as a speaker with TEDx Talks in Brazil, nutrition and health events, colleges, teaching postgraduate courses. And he studied raw food and fasting abroad with the world's main raw food leaders and hygienists in Brazil and abroad on several occasions. So he has lived on exclusively raw diet for 16 years. And for 13 years, he has coordinated Saúde Fugal, teaching how to obtain health by living healthfully using a whole raw diet based on a frugivore diet, sun, sleep, physical exercise, and reintegration with the laws of nature. He is one of the main promoters of the Brazilian raw foodism and a pioneer in promoting frugivorism in Brazil. At the age of 22, he was diabetic, suffering from gastrointestinal, immunological, respiratory, and inflammatory problems. He was scheduled for surgery for a herniated disc and a deviated septum. 
and he was able to reverse these illnesses and avoided his surgical needs through the hygienist lifestyle. So we talk about that in the podcast. And he has also been practicing long water fast and intermittent fasting for 16 years, having already done several uh, long water fasts, one of them last year for 39 days, water only fasting at a specialized center that supervises this in Costa Rica. I wanted to have Dr. Corazza on because he has a really interesting story. He was actually a professional, internationally renowned video gamer back in the day between the ages of 17 and 22. So very interesting journey, very interesting experience that took him from one extreme lifestyle kind of to another extreme lifestyle. I'll let you be the judge of that. But in this episode, we learn about his journey, how he transitioned, what it was like, um, how he went from being a professional gamer to a clinical nutritionist that now advocates for a frugivore diet, which is different from fruitarian diet. I did not know that. And we talk about protein, it comes up. Even I have the protein question when it comes to a diet like this. And we also talk about time-restricted feeding, water-only fasting, and his experience with that. I think this is a really interesting episode. And for those of you out there that are more raw-leaning, you'll probably appreciate that. For those of you that are curious about raw food diets, integrating that with fasting, then this will give you some more information on that. But remember, this is something that you should uh, run by your health professional if it's something that you'd like to do for yourself and get more information so that you are able to do it safely because there are some caveats to how you approach this type of diet, this way of eating. Thank you so much for being here for another episode and for new listeners, welcome. So glad to have you here. I hope you enjoy this episode and you browse some of the other episodes available here on Veggie Doctor Radio. Thank you so much. And now let's welcome Dr. Eduardo Coraza. Dr. Eduardo Coraza, welcome to Veggie Doctor Radio. Uh, it's a pleasure to be invited. It's a pleasure to be here and show a little bit of my work in the last 17 years. Awesome. Well, you have a very interesting story that I'm excited to learn about. And you're talking to us all the way from Brazil, correct? Exactly. Rio de Janeiro, actually the capital, but not a big city, right? I left the big city because I'm interested in health. So Nice. Yeah, I understand that. Well, big city is a stressful place, so probably not as aligned with managing stress, <laughs> getting good sleep. I have 300 fruit trees on my yard, and fruit trees are actually green uh, uh, places. I actually correlated with better healing from surgeries more IQ with a lot of more phytocytes from plants that they secrete. So you, you, you get a better immune system, a better glycemic control, even from the gases we inhale from plants. So being around plants is really important for our health, but people underestimate that. Yeah, a lot, a lot of things to say about that. Well, let's start at the beginning because you have a very interesting story. So tell us a story about how you transition to a plant-based vegan diet and what prompted you to make the change? I grew up as a sick child. Uh, my parents were like lawyers, always outside from home. So I was, you know, a lot inside my, my home, like eating a lot of junk food, playing a lot of video games, being sedentary, getting not too much sunshine and a lot of chrono disruption because of video games and movies and, you know, things late at night. 
So I grew up obese with a lot of health issues and always trying, my mom didn't know better back then and always trying drugs, 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 drugs. When I got to 17, I became one of the world uh, best Counter-Strike players in the world. So I traveled the whole, whole world, like several countries like Korea, uh, United States several times, Europe several times, like uh, to play Counter-Strike, right? We were like cyber athletes. Uh, in the beginning of the cyber fleet movement, because nowadays it's way much big, bigger. And we were kids. I was, I had 17. I didn't know I had to take care of myself. So if people around me smoke like a pack of cigarettes a day, once one cigarette, two cigarettes, no big deal, right? If people eat like a lot of junk food, if I eat some, no big deal. And I, I ended up getting sicker and 30 kilos overweight. I was almost 100 kilos. That's probably 220 pounds, something like that. So I was sick and I was not playing that well. So I wasn't focused on my health back then because I knew I thought that was important. But I was focused on being a better player, right? Counter-Strike player. And then I started like, you know, seeing that healthy lifestyle to improve my game. So I, we were quite famous back then, getting well paid to pay Armstrong. I didn't want to lose my job because, you know, I love to travel and things like that. So I understood that if I took care, better care of myself, I could play better like I used back then when I was 17. And now I was already 22 with a lot more health issues because I gained like 30 and a lot of other stuff. So I did lifestyle changes and I saw my gaming improving and my health improving, like back pains and allergies and things like that. But my notion of health back then, it was, you know, eating some lean chicken after, after the gym, some rice and beans, you know, like uh, the usual thing that you get out of. And I was good to a lot of medical doctors, but they all were all obese and all about drugs and surgery. And I was like, no way, they cannot teach me about health if they don't look healthy, you know? So I started like looking on the internet what ways I could improve. After, before that, I tried every kind of allopathic medicine and every kind of alternative medicine practice, like acupuncture, chiropractors, uh, homeopathy. I tried a lot of stuff and nothing really worked. And then I found raw Debbie Moore's raw food diet on Google. And I was like, raw food diet? Like what? And I start searching. And there was a lot, a lot of people saying, I heal this, I heal that, you know, I'm, I'm feeling much better. And I was like, whoa, I tried everything, but I didn't try, try to eat like animals. And like 700,000 species on the planet live on raw food exclusively. Human beings have lived on exclusively raw foods for like eight millions of years. We started cooking after the last ice age, the glaciation world. So I was like, why? Why don't I try that? Like, I'm not going to die for a few days, right? And I, in three days after only eating fruits and vegetables, raw, like my, all my respiratory problems and the allergy problems went away. My, uh, nose doctor, how do you guys call it in English? Uh, Otorino, laryngologist. 
like a, ENT. Uh, yeah, we just abbreviated to ENT. <laughs> ENT. Yeah, yeah. So my ENT said that like I I can operate you, let's do a surgery, but we're not never going to heal that because we were born with these issues, right? And like in three days, the allergies were gone. I could breathe through my two noses. I could like smell way much better. I could run and not be fatigated after because of lack of breath. I was like, whoa, what, what is this? You know, like I, I knew I was onto something. And although everybody went against me, like my ex-girlfriend, my family, my friends, I knew that I was onto something. So I started like losing a lot of weight and starting to become too thin and not having energy to exercise. But I was feeling way more clarity of mind. I was feeling so much better. All symptoms went away. My back pain went away. And I was like, wow. So I, I needed to research more because it was not sustainable, right? I was always hungry. And then I found a guy that's called Douglas, Douglas Green, Dr. Douglas Green. He's the father of the frugivore movement in the world. He's more known for writing the book called 80-10-10 Diet. And then when I saw that guy, you know, like that, he was like probably 55 back then, something like that. But he was like so fit and like his ideas and his comments on health and yeah, the, 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 the idea of us being anthropoid primates made for fruits and vegetables, the capacity to see colors, the capacity to feel the, the taste for sweets, the, our opposable thumb so we can climb trees and you know pick up fruit or 99% of our DNA being from a chimp or a bottle, the, the, the chimp pygmy, the pygmy chimp. I was like, this makes so much sense. I never heard something in health and nutrition that made so much sense than that guy. And I was like, I was so, I bought his book, read like 300 pages in one day. And I was like, I'm going to eat a raw food diet and fruits and vegetables for the rest of my life. And since then, it was like such a blessing. After six months, after that six months, I started reading also his mentor. Uh, Dr. Herbert Shelton, the father, of, not the father, but the main famous proponent of the hygienic movement, the natural hygiene movement that was created in America. Uh, our motto is health through health and living. So he, he was a great, a great proponent of water fasting. And then I did a, a 24 day water fast at home back then, like 16 years ago. I was considered crazy for everybody, right? Like, uh, but the fasting did wonderful things to me. Uh, I, I cried a lot around the 20 day and I'm a pretty scientific guy. I write about science. I, I, I research science, you know, like all my mind is analytical. I'm not a spiritual guy, but it was the most spiritual feeling that I ever felt. It was like my body talking to my soul or my microbiota talking to my mind. It was like two different things, a hopes and, uh, you know, something else. And I could feel my body saying to me, like, I was asking this since you have, you have two years of age. I was sick since then. And it was like such a blessing. I could feel my body regenerating. And that's actually the exact word. You can see Walter Long research on fasting mimicking diet induces inducing multiple system regeneration and we actually you can feel the regeneration going inside of your body so after that i swear to myself that i was going to uh 
make people aware, aware of healthful health living, make natural hygiene aware for, for Brazil and reach as most people as I could. So since then, it's been almost 17 years, right? I wrote nine books. I'm finishing my 10th from diabetes, the anti-diabetes diet. I, all the books have like hundreds of uh, scientific papers uh, uh, in the bibli bibliography, like uh, uh, content, right? And I created a YouTube channel. We're reaching, we, we passed the 410,000 subscribers. I was the first to talk about, you know, water fasting, intermittent fasting, uh, raw food diet in Brazil, like in terms of science-wise, right? So uh, I went to, uh, to university, to nutrition university, spent like five years studying nutrition, just so I could, you know, impact the group better because nutrition university teach you a little bit of anatomy, physiology, nutrition, biochemistry, but still, you know, we learned so many wrong stuff out there, but it was important for me to get a diploma and, you know, so it's, it become, became my life mission to tell people about, you know, what I think could change the world. And for sure, I don't talk too much about the a vegan uh, animal rights perspective, because if I think I can reach people through a different lens, if they can understand that we are anthropoid primates and without fire, without cooking, without salt and oil and all these things that we used to cook, who, who is going to want to eat meat? Like kill a rabbit with your own hands, you know, drink the, the tea, I'm sorry for the word, drink the, 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 the memory, memory secretions from uh, like cow, you know, it's so absurd. So uh, I've been pretty well motivated to share with the world what saved my life. Wow. Well, let's let's take a step back. I want to ask a few questions about, you said that as a child, you had a lot of medical problems. Sounds like you had allergies, lots of congestion. What other, did you have asthma? What other medical conditions did you struggle with when you were a kid? When I was a kid, I think the main thing that I could see is that my mental and physical performance was way lower than it should be. Like in sports, I couldn't play soccer. I couldn't do usual things as usual kids did. And mentally-wise, like uh, in video games, I was a genius. I could play really well. But in school, I was always going really, really bad. So I had a lot of allergies and respiratory issues. I had like, uh, my knees were always not bent, like open, like what people usually call us, call me and every kid that has that, Charles Chaplin, right? Like uh, open, open legs, you know, like uh, the feet were like 11 to 1 p.m., 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And I had like, you know, I could feel my uh, hypotonus on my muscularity on my back, like hypotonus, like uh, mm -hmm. not too many muscles on my back. So I was always like uh, bending forward, you know, like my, my, my shoulders were always, you know, like not open. So besides, you know, probably some bone issues, some respiratory allergy issues, 
low low immunity, always having fevers and you know uh, colds, uh, you know, digestive issues. As I was growing up, you know, uh, yeah, that's that that was the main stuff. When when I was twenty two, before making the change, I was also diabetic and about to do a back surgery as well because of herniated disc. So, yeah, besides, you know, trying those allergy shots, trying a lot of stuff because I couldn't breathe one of my nostrils. Yeah. So you didn't feel good. I mean, you were learning how to play video games. You were getting really good at it, one of the best in the entire world, but you did not feel good. Like your day-to-day life was one that was not of well-being. And I think it's really interesting because you you think of video game players and I would never in my life think that there is a video game player that would connect how, you know, like their physical health with their performance. You think of athletes, right? Like I always think athletes think about that eventually, but I would never think of video game player. I know my, um, my younger son, he's super into computers. And so sometimes I watch him watch some of these YouTube players, some of these gamers and they really are eating candy all the time. They're like literally eating candy all the time. They're just sitting in that chair eating candy. You could tell that it's a very unhealthy lifestyle. <laughs> so I think it's interesting that you put that those two together. Like, hey, I want to be better at this game. Um, and the, to be better at this game, I need to feel better. My mind needs to work better. What are the things that I could do to get there? Exactly. It took me a few years. I got to tell you the truth. It took me a few years to, to visualize it, to understand what was going wrong. But as soon as I realized that when I started weightlifting again, I started exercising again, I started to eat a little better, stopped drinking and smoking, my performance improved a lot. So I could feel that. And I, I, was, I wanted more. You know, I knew I could have more. I, I, it was insights, right? I didn't know the science back then. Now I know, like, you know, nutrients for brain performance, for, for uh, fasting-inducing, uh, uh, increasing BDNF expression, uh, brain-derived neurotrophic factor. You know, now I know the science behind it. But back then, I didn't correlate health with performance, even more for video game players, right? But if, if video game players then make you know, nowadays a lot, lot more money than we used to do back then, understood the connection they could play a lot better and uh, have a longer longer lasting career if you see a lot of athletes for example they end up their careers too soon because of injuries and because of growing old but that's malnutrition that's for sure people don't understand that malnutrition is not just a lack of nutrients but an excess of nutrients as well Mm-hmm. So you changed your diet initially. You kind of was like, okay, I've heard that I should eat lean meats and I should maybe eat low fat and that kind of thing. And so then you wanted more, but did you ever just do like a vegan, a non-raw vegan diet before you went to raw? Or you kind of went from this like healthy-ish sort of omnivorous diet straight to raw? And now for a very important message. Hey mama. If you are feeling frustrated about mealtime battles, worried that your child isn't eating enough or eating enough vegetables, afraid that your child is going to get some awful deficiency or disease because of the lack of diversity in their diet, I wrote a book that might be for you. 
A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Did you know that most children are born with the innate ability to eat the appropriate amount of food to satisfy their hunger and support appropriate growth? Despite this, parents are still anxious and confused about how much and what to feed their children. In addition, many children are labeled as picky eaters or develop behaviors such as hiding and sneaking food. There's also a growing epidemic of dieting behaviors and eating disorders beginning at alarmingly young ages. In my book, you'll learn the five pillars of healthy eating, how to apply intuitive eating through all the stages of development, lifestyle habits that support healthy eating and body image, troubleshooting and problem solving for picky eaters, overeating and dieting behaviors, how to create and foster a healthy body image in your children, how exploring your own body image and relationship with food will help raise an intuitive eater, and what foods to offer your child at different stages of development. A Parent's Guide to Intuitive Eating, How to Raise Kids Who Love to Eat Healthy, available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook through all major online booksellers. Are you ready for a fresh approach to feeding your child? For more information, visit dryami.com forward slash book. And now back to the episode. That's the thing. Back then, 17 years ago, there were no vegan information out there. There was. There was, but like almost none. You know, I never heard the word vegan before. Like the day I found out about raw foods, it was the same day I found the vegan book. Right. I knew that the word, you know, there were people in the world being vegetarian. But, you know, like I never met a vegetarian in my life, like a person that was like, OK, I don't eat meat because, you know, I, I never I never I was exposed to the concept. So when I was exposed to the concept, I thought raw foods made more sense. But uh, in this last 17 years, I created a lot of content to help my audience, right? And like uh, five years ago, I created an online vegan course that is actually uh, using plant-based recipes, but they're all steamed. They're all pretty healthy without oils or flowers or anything like that, just real food steamed for a few minutes. Uh, and then you made a burger out of beans and, you know, like... Uh, uh, quinoa and things like that. It's just pretty, uh, but it's steamed. So I already did that for like every, every, uh, once in a, like on day in, day out, I was going to do a recipe like that to try to make for the, the course that I created. So although I look a little bit more bigger and can get a little bit more stronger with brains and legumes, I don't feel as good, you know, for me, for us natural hygienists, we see grains as birds food because uh, birds are actually by our biology classified as granivores, uh, animals that are made for eating grains because they have a beak that can peek out those small like uh, quinoa or rice grains. And then they have a uh, pouch where they can shroud the grains. So, we see ourselves, like us natural hygienists, see ourselves as 
frugivore animals. So the the amount of nutrients, the biochemistry, there's a lot of things going on throughout evolution that made us, you know, more suitable for digesting and uh, assimilating the, the nutrients from the fruits and vegetables instead of grains. But I already, you know, so I ended up already eating vegan steamed food for a few uh, meals here and there. And although it's way much better than, you know, the omnivore diet, the, you know, meat and animal products in general, or I don't, I prefer my raw food, my fruits and vegetables. Yeah. So you kind of already mentioned that when you first made this transition, everybody around you thought you had lost it. So uh, they're like, all right, he's gone off the deep end. Maybe he played video games a little too long, smoked a little too much, whatever. We don't know what's going on, but he's lost it. So how long did it take before people were taking you seriously? And how difficult was it? I mean, you said at the beginning, you lost too much weight. You were kind of, you know, had gone a little too far with the calorie deficit with not getting enough calories from a raw diet. Um, so what were the most difficult parts for you in getting it, getting it to the point where you felt like you were at a good steady state and a good healthy state for you? Uh, that, that's the thing, because I think the most difficult part was the social part and finding the right information because the living food movement out there is all about, you know, fats and oils, you know, like, and brain, and sprouting brains. But the, if you see the usual living food person, they end up getting too thin because they're doing the exactly opposite from all the science suggesting 80, 10, 10 diets like McDougal, Warnish, Campbell, Essocene, Barnard. They all talk about 80, 10, 10 or 70, 75, uh, 15, 10, something like that, using really low amounts of fats, overt fats like uh, uh, nuts and seeds and no oil whatsoever. But the living food movements all, they went all the wrong direction in that part. They didn't read the nutritional science about that. So they use a lot of avocados, uh, coconut pulp, uh, olive oil, coconut oil, and they use a lot of agave, shinto, a lot of dried nuts and seeds and a little bit of dried fruits. But they are scared of fruits. So they're scared of carbs. They end up putting the, the exactly opposite ratio using like a diet around 60% fat. So that makes them too much, you know, undernourished, under carbs and getting too thin and not managing to maintain the diet. So I see that in America. I see that in Brazil. Most of the people that are talking about living foods doesn't last too long in the raw food movement. So, but when I, I understood the right information about eating a high-carb diet, a diet high in fruits, and apply it, it was really easy for the, the mechanic of the thing. But the social part was still a little bit harsh because people don't understand. When we take our kids to McDonald's, to junk food, and to industrialized food, and to a lot of animal protein, People think that it's normal, but when you, you know, try to eat what human beings have been eating for millions of years and try to fasting, exercise every day, going to bed earlier, getting sunshine every day, you are crazy. So I was a little bit ostracized 
for by my family, friends, etc. But I knew I was in the right path. Uh, so that was probably the hardest thing for me, the, the social part, understanding that I was different, but I was actually right. So when I started like wanting to work with this and I understood all the science behind it, I was, you know, uh, hitting my, my, my chest and saying like, I'm right. Although they, everybody think I'm wrong, I know that I'm making the planet a better place for us, for everybody. You know, like I have 300 fruit trees on my yard. There are animals every time coming here, you know, trying to eat my bananas, tangerines, and mangoes and everything. So that's biodiversity. I'm helping the planet to, you know, be a better place for us. So when you understand that, and when my family starts to see it, after like three months, I started like to exercising. I was already exercising, but, uh, you know, they see me exercising every day. I didn't have any, any uh, even a sore throat or a cold or a runny nose whatsoever. And they were like, I was the sickest, you know, uh, me, my brother, my, my mom and my dad. I was always the first to get sick in winter, you know, to have more colds, to have more runny noses and be less productive whatsoever. And I was like being the, you know, I was exercising every day, working every day, being way more mentally active. I didn't have, I didn't want a lot. I didn't need a lot more clothes to, to not get cold in winter. You know, I was always running around with a shorts with all the t-shirt, you know, like, and running on the, running the, the rain and surfing the rain, going out for a swim in the pool in the rain, and you know, but nothing could stop me anymore. And my family was like, wow. And when they saw the fast, the 24 day water fast, I did it at home. And they were like, wow, what is this? My father was like, I only saw Jesus talking about fasting like that kid. You know, like <laughs> they, they were really amazed. And you know, they started like to start to accept it because I was way more calm. For example, my dad was always, he used to smoke and drink. He was, you know, because of his health, he was always a little bit more stressed, you can tell. Uh, old people get grumpy because of their lifestyle habits, not because of getting old. So I was always more calm with him. I was like, dad, I love you. Don't worry, don't, we don't need to fight about it. But back then, when I was only more eating a lot of meat, you know, like I was always too reactive and I was always calm and, you know, like, uh, uh, and make, making things easier in every way. So they, they couldn't say anything, you know, or what they could say. I was, you know, the, the, I, I, my skin that was better, my looks and everything, you know. So nowadays, even my old friends that still eat a lot of meat, you know, uh, you know, they, most of them say that I'm right. They just don't want to follow it, but I'm right, you know, like, and I ended <laughs> up motivating a lot more people to eat more fruits and vegetables, drop out of the meat, because they see your example and they understand that it's right. Even then, even, even if they don't work for them at that particular moment, maybe one day when they get really sick, but they start, you know, they incorporate a little bit. Yeah, interesting. Well, I'm very curious about your your past and the history that you had as being a professional gamer. How old were you when you started playing video games? Could you tell us 
maybe just briefly what Counter-Strike is, what kind of video game that is, because I know nothing about video games. And then I'd love to know if there's anything from the years that you were a professional gamer, did you learn any lessons then that you bring to your work now? Is there anything that you've learned from, from the skills, the experience, anything that you've learned from that time? For sure, for sure. Uh, I started uh, being a Counter-Strike professional player when I was 17. And I stopped around 22 years of age. I played professionally for five years. We had a uh, contract signed as an athlete, right? So we, we need to play for six hours per day. We traveled the world. We, we, we were like athletes. Uh, so Counter-Strike is a computer game that you have to counter terrorists against terrorists. So you have to shoot, shoot each other to try to plant the bomb or the, the counter-threat terrorists have to defuse the bomb or kill their terrorists. So it's a shooting game, right? So uh, the, 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 nowadays I think the, 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 the prizes for a tournament is like a million dollars for first place. It's like really big money. And uh, what I learned from Counter-Strike is that one thing's for sure. Thoughts become things. When you, you want something too bad, you have to visualize it and go for it. You know, you have to work for it. But you can you can achieve impossible things with your mind. And that's why probably the biggest learning that I could I could have back then. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. For sure, it was quite cool traveling the world, staying in six-star hotels, uh, making my English a little better, you know, because I'm self-taught uh, with English. Uh, there were there were a lot of good parts, but the main part I think it was like even even because I also I when I was young I was a low-performance kid, I knew I had to be determined, so I knew I had to be you know like focused for what I wanted. And after seeing Counter-Strike, for example, we were the best in Brazil and the fourth and fifth of the world back then in my time. Uh, but we couldn't win any team, team in Brazil, like 16 to zero, like 16 rounds to zero. We were really, really good. But during a tournament, if we didn't want that much, maybe a team even could win one game for us, right? And maybe lose in the finals, but still. Uh, so I think mentality, uh, you see that a lot in sports. Some people that maybe be underestimated, underrated, and they want it so much. They, they, work, they work themselves out so much for getting it there, getting, being the best and, you know, performing the best that they end up, you know, playing better than somebody that was like two or three times better than that. So I think it's all in our heads 
It's what I tell patients. It's what I tell a lot of people when I do lectures. Uh, I did a TEDx, for example, in Brazil. And because I didn't want to use any word in my TED Talks, I fasted for three days of only water. I actually coordinated all the, the buffet that the, the organizer from the TEDx in Brazil wanted to do a raw food buffet for all the, the 180 people over there. So I coordinated the whole buffet while I was fasting and also working with all my, my own stuff. And then I went to stage after three days of fasting, ate like one cucumber, one orange, and gave the lecture. And, you know, I was, the, the lectures, I think, it's pretty good. as like million, uh, thousands of views on like 150, 160,000 views on that X channel. And, you know, uh, I think when there's a will, there's a way, you know, like our minds can do anything we want because a lot of people think like, oh, raw food's difficult, changing our lifestyle is difficult, it's better to take a pill. But you know, like, there's a lot of science nowadays to, to prove what us hygienists have been talking for 200 years, that drugs only palliate symptoms. They suppress the symptoms, but they don't remove the cause of diseases. So people try shortcuts because of our you know, human uh, biology for looking for shortcuts for conservation of energy, but still there's no short, shortcuts for, for health. So I think everybody can make their lives a lot better, the planet a lot better, and the lives of everybody around us a lot better just by you know being a little bit more conscious. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I 100% agree that thoughts become things. I love that you learned that from your time. And what a great example when you're playing a virtual you're playing something completely virtual it's not even real like a video game is virtual within virtual right if you believe that we're already in the virtual <laughs> so virtual within virtual um that's super cool so how old do you have to be to start playing a game before you get to a professional like did you start playing video games when you're like five years old or yeah like i think our generation then was growing with like a lot of video games and access to, to this kind of technology. End up being, you know, my mom, for example, my mom had difficulties. My mom's 72. I love her. Yeah, I'm, not talking, I'm not talking bad about her. But you see that the older generation have a lot more difficulty with technology whatsoever. So you, you can start playing video games at 17 and become a Counter-Strike professional player. It's just that some people have more, you know, more easiness. More, comes out more easy is uh, computer skills, more like uh, uh, video game skills. Like back then, for example, a lot of people tried to become like us because we we're the best in the world, one the best in, the, in Brazil and one of the best in the world. So we had a lot of, you know, advantages like traveling and, you know, like being celebrities, you know. But... Not everybody could play like us, you know, like million of, millions of players in Brazil and there were like five of us, you know, like a really small amount of people could uh, overperform like that. So there's no, I think all of the players that were like uh, good in Counter-Strike were actually being really good uh, athletes when they were growing up. 
I was one of the exceptions, but the more coordinated you are in real life, usually the better you can play in Counter-Strike play. Because wow. there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a, a hand, both hands coordination because you have to use the mouse, the keyboard, you have to talk and you have to think a lot, a lot of stuff really, really fast. So you miss one inch in the mouse with the, the crosshair. And you know you lose like ten thousand dollars or five thousand dollars, you know, like so you lose like getting advancing the tournament. So it's yeah, it it's pretty demanding, but anybody wow. can become a, a a better player, and that's the thing. Nowadays, I I have a lot of patients that are are athletes. And because I showed the science through all, all of my content, like even internet content, that if you are healthier, you have a better reproductive system. If you are healthier, you have a better neurological system. If you are healthier, for example, AGEs, the advanced glycation end products, one of the good food toxins, uh, are actually correlated with athletic injuries and more bone fractures, more Achilles tendon, uh, damage, a lot of stuff you can actually correlate, uh, you know, yeah. AGs, for example, damage sirtuins. Sirtuins are actually the repairing mechanisms of our bodies, you know. So if people understood that if you want to be a better person, you want to be a better athlete, you want to work better with your work, whatever it is, you want to be more coordinated, being healthier is actually the the bomb, actually, the, the 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 new thing on the block, you know, like the, the next perception human beings are going to have because we 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 think that somebody that goes vegan or you know take care of their health is like sissy or you know it's silly, it's not. But people don't realize that you can be you can make more money when you're healthier. You can, you know, be more sexy, more intelligent, more beautiful. There's a lot of research to support that. Yeah, for example, research showing that if you sleep better, you get you get more, you get a, you get better grades, better uh, scores in visual aspects. If you eat more fruits and vegetables because of the five nutrients, you get a better uh, grades in like studies, like what uh, you you become more beautiful to the participants in the study. So, you know, why not taking better care of the health? Like, you know, yeah. it's nonsense. And my favorite, which is when you feel better, you can serve better. And especially for moms and parents out there, when we feel better, we're able to spread more joy and love and service to our children and our families, which is what a lot of people desire. Well, exactly. let's get a little bit more into... Uh, being a frugivore, because I definitely want to hear more about this. So I'll just be 100% transparent that I've always been intrigued by this, okay? Like, I feel like it's something that I wish I could do for some reason. And I've tried three times. So I'm from Panama, I'm Panamanian, but I live in the state of Washington, which it gets cold several months per year. But I've actually tried this like in August, which is like, the hottest month here and I cannot make it more than one or two weeks because I get super cold. I pee like every five minutes. I'm like constantly, I feel like I have to put a catheter in 
because it's so annoying to have to pee all the time. And then I just, the cravings, it's like, by the end of the time, I'm just like, give me some rice, you know? So I found that menu. I want some rice, give me some rice and beans. So um, a lot of the criticisms I've heard about fruitarianism or even just a raw diet is that you just have to eat so much. You have to eat such a big volume to get enough calories. And then there's also a criticism, which I know I, I hate the whole protein question, but it does become a little bit more important especially with aging. So my goal is to try to make it to a hundred. So one of the things that I, I get worried about as I get older is maintaining enough muscle mass to make sure I don't get frail. You know, that frailty is a risk factor when you get older, if you fall, if you have any of those problems. So tell me a little bit about um, your way of eating and getting enough nutrients and is protein a concern or not? What are, what are your thoughts and opinions on that? Uh, so let's go. It was a big question. But first of all, we have to understand that sarcopenia is, is inversely correlated with the consumption of fruits and vegetables. I know that you know that, but like, so your listeners, inversely correlated in epidemiology suggests that it's, it's, it protects from sarcopenia, the loss of muscle mass during aging. So uh, that's one thing that we have to acknowledge. The second thing is, is that if you go to primitive societies like the Papua Highlanders, one of the last uh, hunter gatherers uh, on the planet, the, the societies on the planet, the gather societies, according to the research done in the 80s or 90s, it's a long time ago. The, the consumption of protein from a Papua Highlander was like around 35 grams of protein. These are black men, really strong, living in the savannah, li living in the forest, right? So, and just to clarify, that's 35 grams of protein per day, per person. Per day, per person. That's like really liberal. Like, I don't know if your listeners know, but the, the WHO recommends 56 grams of protein per person for a, a 70 kilo man, 140, 150 pound man. So it's like almost a half of, of what a World Health Organization recommends. And if we look at, I, I don't know if you know McDougall's work, but McDougall's quote a lot of the old protein researchers like Rose, and there's like a, a amino acid requirement testing that Rose did that showed that like, you know, you can, there, there's a margin safety for protein consumption, but that margin safety is like really, 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 it, it, the, the, the usual number that yeah, human being can consume is really, really good. But so let's, let's go through some stuff. For example, cooking actually causes denaturalization of proteins. You can, you can find that in any scientific article because you, 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 when you cook the food, it causes changes in macronutrients and micronutrients. So, for example, nutrients are labile, thermal labile, uh, thermal oxygen, and photolabile. I have to think in Portuguese and translate it. So, uh, that means that labile, we mean sensitive in scientific so they're sensitive to heat, to, to oxygen, and to uh, light. Light, that's it. And then 
So they're pretty, these phytonutrients, these vitamins, not the minerals. The minerals just leach out from the, the food to the water uh, under the bed, but uh, the, or inside the bed, right? I'm feeding the steamer. But so when you think about it, these nutrients are pretty sensitive. And I, I don't know if you know Bruce Ames, he's a really famous uh, American scientist. He's probably 100 years of age right now. His research is like a mind blowing. The guy is a genius and he's not vegan or raw vegan or anything, but he talks a lot about micronutrients and he has this triad theory that the triad theory that the body reallocates nutrients to more important functions at the moment, uh, harming actually longevity and health in the long run. So the, I think Joe Furman, the, he's a famous plant-based doctor. He, he did a really good insight. The best formula for uh, longevity is nutrient density because all people think it's caloric density, but we have to think of nutrient density. The less calories you eat and the more nutrients you eat, the better you have a chance for achieving longevity because these phytonutrients, we, we even have research from David Sinclair showing the hormetic phytonutrients so these phytonutrients actually activate what we call longevity genes. So they activate these longevity and uh, repairing pathways that we call FOXO, NPK, uh, sirtuins. So the more phytonutrients we can eat, for example, my persimmons that I eat over my place is actually damaged by the sun. You can see the skin being all, you know, like a, uh, like a, a raisin, you know, that, that the skin of the raisin is like, like dry. So that is actually uh, ormesis, uh, that is actually the ormesis plant, uh, process in plants. So we actually end up doing xenormesis when we eat these, these stress in plants. So there's a lot of, actually we have, we have no gold standard research for raw foods. I'm pretty aware aware of that because there's no scientists doing research on raw foods. But if we look to individual papers, individual sciences, like uh, the more antioxidants we have, the less aging we have. The AGEs, for example, all the myelar reaction end products is the cooked food toxins. They actually induces all the things that aging induces, all the things that we try to protect from us to aging. Because myelin reaction end products, uh, we know about AGEs, but there are acrylamides, acrolines, uh, allels, the advancing lipid peroxidation end products. There's like 400, 400 uh, toxins produced by cooking food. And they all are pro-inflammatory, pro-oxidants, you know, damaged sirtuins, there, you know, AGs, for example, are correlated with neurological diseases, with brain atrophy, with cancer. Uh, cancer tissues have AGs inside of them. They're, uh, they're considered diabetogenic, pro-atherosclerotic, pro, you know, in, in causing in, immune reactions, like uh, what we call the white tides, uh, the leukocytosis factor, that is called digestive leukocytosis. There was like a scientist from the 30s, uh, Paul Kolchakov. He, he won a Nobel Prize for showing that uh, 
raw foods doesn't cause, don't cause uh, digestive glucocytosis, but cooked foods do cause it. And everybody that already tried a raw food diet, they all suggest, like, I feel a lot better. Maybe that's hard to maintain because there's, you need a little bit of knowledge about nutrition, you know, a little bit of details of raw foods to understand how to make it possible. Because there's no fruitarian animals in nature. There are frugivore animals. That's one of the parts that people underestimate or don't understand. These anthropoid primates, they eat a lot of vegetables. They don't eat just fruits. Fruitarian means eating only fruits. And that's not sustainable in the long run. You can eat it for a few days. That's not a big deal because our bodies maintain nutritional reserves. But in the long run, we need a lot of vegetables. So uh, I think in a fruitivore diet that is made out of fruits, vegetables, nuts and seeds, and a lot of other plant material, like mushrooms, for example. I eat mushrooms. I can eat some peas once in a while. I can eat even fresh beans once in a while. You can eat these foods from the pots. I'm not suggesting against that. I'm just saying that fruits and vegetables should be the mainstay in a raw food diet. So you end up getting, if I can answer you correctly, you easily can reach out like 60 grams of protein in a raw food diet. Uh, fruitivore diet in the day. If you, you know, eat like a kilo of vegetables per day, even a kilo of broccoli. I love broccoli. You can eat like if it's fresh and young and tender, I can eat a half a kilo. That's already 15 grams of protein easily, right? If you put like a, a handful of pumpkin seeds already, you get more 15 grams, uh, uh, 10 grams, 15 grams of protein. I, I, I have to do the math, but you know, you can easily meet all our RDAs and DRIs uh, around protein. And every kind of micro, micronutrient as well, we can, all, we can easily reach them. And the macronutrient ratio that, you know, all the vegan medical doctors suggest that it's like 8 and 10. It's the same ratio for the blue zones, for example. So if you think guava, for example, a usual fruit, a small fruit, I think it's Brazilian fruit, actually, guava, it's 13% protein in that in, in it. So for example, rice is 8% protein. So if you eat a kilo of guava, you're already eating like 28 grams of protein, for example. So it's not easy, it's not hard to reach the amount of protein that uh, a vegan diet or omnivore diet is providing. For sure, if you want a high protein diet, like ingest two kilograms of protein per kilo of body weight, for sure that's almost impossible to manage without using soy and refined you know, protein. But the usual DRIs, dietary reference intake for protein and for any micronutrient, you can easily reach out and surpass with a frugivore diet. But with the macronutrients intact, without the distrinization of carbohydrates, without the fats becoming rancid, without the denaturation, denaturation of proteins, I think you end up getting more bang for your buck, you know, in terms of mm -hmm. uh, nutrition. Yeah, I guess I... And, and about the cold, so, sorry, and about the cold, I understand for sure. We are anthropoid primates. We were born in Africa. We were not made for cold environments. So that makes hard, like mentally, emotionally, 
uh, for a raw food diet. But, you know, I have patients living in the UK, living in any uh, cold places, even patients in the US living up in Washington or in the other cities, and they tend to do pretty well when they understand the mechanics behind it. And even then, you can, you know, be 80%, 70% raw and steam some, you know, broccoli, some lentils, and uh, uh, because steaming would be the, the least damaged uh, uh, way of cooking your food, right? The most conservative cooking, as we call in hygiene. So you can steam some stuff and still, you know, have the, the warm food and not be deprived of that and, you know, managing to work a raw food diet. Yeah. So there's ways around it. There's ways to get it done in a more reasonable way. But yeah, I guess I never actually knew that there was a difference between fruitarian and frugivore. So what you're saying is fruitarian, they're emphasizing pretty much mainly fruit. And with frugivore, your fruit and vegetables, some nuts and seeds. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer in vegetables. So I've never, I've never tried to neglect the vegetables, love the vegetables. Just when they're raw, it takes a lot more time to eat too. That's the thing. You have to make sure you make time for those big, huge salads. <laughs> takes a long time. Hey, are you kind of curious about microgreens and including microgreens in your diet, but you're not sure where to start and you're not sure how to do it? I love my Hamama microgreen grower. It's so easy, it's so convenient. So this is how it works. Basically, they send you the kit and it has this little seed quilt, okay? And then you soak the seed quilt in the water and in a few days, you see your tiny little baby sprouts growing and a few days after that, you can start eating them and it's so fun. And you can tell them that you're eating them and they're really happy that you're eating them and your body's really happy that you're eating them. But here's the best part because I've told y'all before, I'm lazy. So I don't wanna have to use any mental energy that I don't need to. And they send you seed quilts every month. So you don't run out, you can change what seed quilts you want to try. So here's some examples of some of the seed quilts they have. Hearty broccoli, refreshing cabbage, energizing kale, spicy daikon radish, super salad mix. You can even get wheatgrass, you can get culinary cilantro, or even hot wasabi mustard. So there's lots to choose from. They have different flavors. They're so cute and they're health promoting. So you can get a good dose of antioxidants and it's really beautiful. I also use them for garnish when I'm making soups and salads and different bowls. You can impress your guests. But like I said, it's going to be low energy cost on your part. And it's actually not that expensive either. The other thing that I use from Hamama is a green onion growing kit, which is really cool because it can decrease your food waste. So you buy the green onions and then the little part that has the root, the white part at the bottom, you stick it in these little holes and then you just put the water in there and it grows. And then you can keep eating the same green onions. You just go with your little scissors and you chop it off and you put it into your food. So if you wanna give it a try, you've been curious about microgreens and different ways that you can grow your own food, check out Hamama. You can find it in my show notes for a link to get 15% off, or you can go to dryami.com forward slash shop so that you can find the link and get 15% off your first order. Happy growing. Do you love Veggie Doctor Radio, but you're sick of listening to ads? 
join the Plantscription. The Plantscription is a monthly membership where you have access to ad-free episodes of Veggie Doctor Radio every week. But that's not all. You also have access to a monthly live Q&A with me and a monthly live book club. You also get access to writings and musings and free giveaways. It is such a great deal. Right now, it's only $5 a month to join the Planscription. If you want to join, go to planscription.substack.com or go to the show notes to follow the link. Join the Planscription today and join me in this plantastic community. That, 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 that I agree with you. But you, you end up uh, saving time in the cooking part to end up mm-hmm. spending a little bit more time chewing the food. So I probably end up, you know, spending around an hour per day chewing my food, half 40 minutes in lunch and 20 minutes at dinner because I only do two meals per day, right? Uh, intermittent fasting. But, you know, like, yeah, for sure. You do more uh, drawing uh, work. But, you know, even the, the, the part, the scientific part in orthodontics that suggests that could be battle for health. For, for... Yeah. Well, yeah, there's advantages to that, too, even just cleaning our teeth, how the roughage cleans our teeth, decreases our risk of cavities, that kind of thing. And um, also for satiety, I know that I, I love eating and I love chewing because it does, it gives you that satiety feedback it, helps you feel full and satisfied just a lot of work sometimes especially if you jump straight to it so something to work up to but you mentioned intermittent fasting which is something that i'm super interested in so i've practiced some um, time restricted feeding intermittent fasting some extended water only fasting myself super into it love it so i would love to know your regimen um and what you do on a regular basis and what your experience is with uh fasting if I can, uh, if I can suggest you, I have like uh, three documentaries in a book written on fasting. I just launched this book in uh, Amazon. I just received this copy from Amazon, actually. So I, I have my first, uh, one of my first books was of hygienic fasting nature surgery. So it's also available on Amazon. So I did a 39-day water fast last year on Tango Woods Wellness Center in Costa Rica. It's run by Warren Hoffman. It's not medical uh, supervised because Warren is not a medical doctor. Uh, but uh, he, uh, we, we made a deal to record a documentary uh, for his channel and for my channel. So I did a 39-day water fast over there. I have been not just doing water fasts, but I turned in fasting for it almost 70 years now. So yeah, the what I learned recently for the last four or five years is to pay a lot more attention to what we call now chrononutrition and time restricted feeding because people um, end up eating too late at night. And that's way worse than you know uh, not being uh on intermittent fasting by opinion. So chrononutrition is a big thing to pay attention in our intermittent fasting. But my regimen is usually 18-6. So it's 18 hours of fasting per day and that feeding window from noon to around 6 p.m. So I eat with the sun. As a hygienist used to say that back then, 200 years ago, now we have a lot of data 
like my I can feel my hunger way higher exactly around noon and my second wave of hunger hunger being around 4 to 5 p.m. in the in the afternoon so it's the, actually the same times that anthropoid primates prefer to eat right, in nature so uh, and usually you can see primatology research showing that they eat their fruits at, the, at midday and their vegetables in the end of the day. And it's quite impressive because every fever person that I ever talked to does exactly the same thing. It seems like 70 years now, right? You know, I don't care too much for fruit during the late the evening, but I care too much about fruit in, in the beginning of the day. So, uh, there's a lot of suggestions in primatology, but they don't know actually the biological methods. So, uh, yeah, uh, there's a lot of research nowadays about fasting, like Sachin Panda, Walter Lobo, you know, they're the main, uh, Luigi Fontana and Mark B. Madsen are the main, in uh, Rafa, Rafael de Cabo, are the main scientists that I search uh, research for, right? Uh, the 1860s is still not, you know, uh, up, uh, like supported by science, but I, I feel better, I do it, and I think it's better. But what science suggests is like uh, 1410 or 1688, it's already well-researched, well-backed up. Interesting. Okay, well, wrapping it up now, I'd love to know, what do you wish more people knew? That life could be a lot better. The planet could be saved. And, you know, like I, as an omnivore, thought that natural food, that, you know, it was bad. I thought it was better to eat barbecues because it was more tasty. And afterwards, I, I was like, if I could give durians, made the palmer mangoes and you know like the, the uh, what we call honey drop fits and you know like in portugal people that now and people people you know the two people all around the world if they could understand that this food is way much more tastier it makes you feel like a million you know like it's nowadays it's so silly for me you know like uh, doing what i did back then and being sick all the time it it was like People think that raw food is difficult. For me, being sick is difficult. Being like every time having symptoms, having low performance, that is the hard part of life. The good part of life is living healthy. Nature provides us with a reward circuitry for one reason. Nature wanted us to have sex, to live healthy, to eat natural foods, because that is actually the, the good secretion of dopamine and the sensitivity to the dopamine nurse, the uh, hormones, you know, like uh, neurotransmitters. neurotransmitters. Uh, so that's, you know, my wish is that everybody could feel for one year a natural hygiene lifestyle, like uh, a frugivore diet, exercising every day strenuously, uh, getting sunshine every day, living around plants, you know, like we could go back to paradise, at least mentally and physically, even though we cannot go actually back to forest. Right? <laughs> I love it. Do you have a morning routine? Yeah, I, I 
uh, wake up, uh, you know, responsive messages on, on cell phones, start working a lot. And then around 10 a.m., I started like stop working on 10.30. And then I go to the garden, pick up some fruits, uh, maybe take care of a little bit of my garden, and then go out to exercise, lift some weights, run, surf, or play tennis. And then I come back, have, have, uh, have lunch, uh, have a siesta, uh, because there's a lot of research behind siestas. And not too much research, but there is research and there's, you know, common knowledge. And then I work a little bit more. And then I take, you know, around around 5.30, I have dinner and take some time off from. Nice. Sounds like a great day. I love the siesta. I have to integrate that into my into my uh, routine every day. There, there was a rock. There, there was a Harvard research showing that uh, siesta, Greece tried to abolish siesta in 2007. They ended up having 38% more heart attacks or 28 or 38% more heart attacks just because of skipping siesta. Wow, that's not good. Yeah. Um, okay, well, this has been really great, Dr. Coraza. So if you could tell us where we can connect with you and what products and services you offer. I... Dr. Corassa in all my social medias, D-R-C-O-R-A-S-S-A, like uh, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. But I'm creating the Dr. Corassa Raw Food Nutritionist profile in English in all social media as well. Still young, not hundreds of thousands of followers, but still like uh, I'm starting to grow the things. So you can see my English content and my YouTube Portuguese channel also have now subtitles for a lot of languages. So you can also watch my YouTube Portuguese channel as well and just put the subtitles. Uh, uh, but I, I have, I'm publishing my books slowly on Amazon in English, but they're all in Portuguese already. And how we, we send to all over the world in Portuguese and Amazon sends in English, right? Or in Kindle. And then I have online courses, but only in Portuguese still, but I'm going to translate them with time. I also have retreats here in Brazil, raw food retreats for five to 10 days per every semester, every January and July. So people come here and learn even to do cupcakes, uh, lasagna, everything, but in a fruit give or way, right? Without oils, flour, or agave, chili dough, nothing industrialized, just raw, fresh raw foods, just maybe processed in a food processor or a little bit in the dehydrator, but that's it. I don't use, you know, not because the living food movement considers oils raw food. For me, it's not raw food. It can be raw, but it can be, it's not fresh. So I don't use it that way to teach my students. And besides the, the courses, the books, and the retreats, I attend patients online as well, or in person, but it's, it must be the, the countryside of the real degenerate. Right? <laughs> Doesn't sound like a bad deal. <laughs> For sure. I just have to go I, to Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> it's three blocks from the, the, the beach that holds the, the, the world tournament, the surf world tournament finals, actually. So the WCSL, nice. the, the main uh, surf tournament in the world, the finals happens like three blocks from my house. 
So that it's sounds really, really cool. Yeah, pretty beautiful place. Sakoremi, the name of the city. Okay, well, if you could leave us with your top three tips for someone that wants to work towards obtaining their health and well-being, where should they start? Study, practice, study. You need knowledge. If you don't have the right knowledge, you're going to do the wrong things. So studying natural hygiene would be the best tip I can give you. For example, in America, you have Goldhammer, uh, you have, uh, I forgot his name as well. He's a, a fashion supervisor uh, with uh, True North Health. Uh, he's usually with the Natural Hygiene uh, Association in America. They have like uh, uh, a conference every year. Uh, so they meet up. So that's, that would be my main suggestion. Read Herbert Shelton, Goldhammer nowadays, Furman. They're all hygienists, right? These natural hygiene model of medicine so or you can read my work as well but it's mostly portuguese so <laughs> studying and putting into practice you gotta go and learn a raw food re uh, recipe and try it and then learn it and then try it and then learn it and then try it it's like uh it's like learning tango like dancing tango it's really hard but if you keep studying and keep trying you keep getting better than it so that's pretty much it. It's my humble opinion that everybody can, you know, become even in even the usual allopathic science shows that you have a better prognostic for your disease if you are living healthy. So even if you are in chemotherapy, doing usual drug, the usual uh, uh, allopathic drugs, and anything like that, the usual treatments, you need healthful living. You need to go to bed earlier. Have dinner earlier, exercise, uh, eat a, a, a plant-based, fresh food diet, and you know get a lot of sunshine. That that's my main tips. Yeah, lifestyle medicine. Well, Dr. Corasa, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for everything that you do. I really appreciate you sharing your story, your journey, all your knowledge and your wisdom with us. And I hope that you have a very plantastic day. I mean, I know you will. <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> hey veggie lover I hope that you loved today's episode will you take a second and do me a huge favor please subscribe to my podcast so that you never miss an episode you're the reason I'm here and I want to share it all with you thank you for listening and have a plantastic day